it's this beautiful piece of navigating fact from fiction that can begin to be really incredibly practical for human beings as they bump up against real world stuff, real world circumstances like addiction of loved ones or themselves. Another Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Amy Leo, and that clip you just heard is actually from part one of our two-part series on what to do when a loved one is addicted. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, I definitely recommend to do that. We highlighted some innovative research that's being done in the field of addiction. We also heard the real-world testimony from the perspective of someone that dealt with an addiction to alcohol, actually, and also testimony from a family member of what it was like to watch a loved one go through the throes of addiction. So well worth the listen. In this part, in part two, we're going to dive into a little bit more about what I see in my line of work as a coach in regards to what my clients are up against or what their experiences have been when they've had a loved one that was addicted to a substance. And also on today's show, we talk a little bit about the implications on a societal level of maybe misunderstanding is a good way to put it. The building blocks, the core components and causes of addiction. So let's continue the series. We're going to jump into where Kelly Monstrude was telling us about his hope for bridging the gap and reestablishing healthy relationships after his own addiction. Another Part of my hope is reflecting my own experience of these understandings uh, to just be that person now that, for instance, can listen to my loved ones from that experience so that they can express just exactly what it was. Like you mentioned, fear. I've already started to hear some of those things because I've allowed the space for them to say what they need to say, mm. no matter what, no matter when. Oh. Doesn't matter what day of the week, <laughs> doesn't matter how they express it. I really want to point out for listeners, sorry, Kelly didn't drop, but no, go ahead. What you're saying may sound really subtle or simple, or how is that ever going to be helpful? Just showing up and knowing that you're listening to a loved one and that you're essentially there for them without judgment or agenda. That is a completely different way of relating to a loved one than trying to give them advice or trying to control their behavior. I just really, really want to hit the nail on the head about that. Because the truth is, first of all, we, we have to get out of me land a little bit here. You know, I, I think every human being, we're, we're so influenced by our own beliefs and perceptions and judgments and assumptions that it really gets in the way of solving problems effectively like addiction. Okay. That really gets in the way. It really cuts off 
our not completely cuts off, but it really limits our access to inspiration and innovation and creative problem solving when you're dealing with something like this. Well, and moving forward. Yeah. It doesn't give an opportunity to think of, you know, to me, opening that space for them to tell me what it was like is first, I I don't know. I, I don't know if it's necessarily the right thing to do, but I'm showing up in the now and also then, Because a lot of the things I hear are, in the the most intense case, I've heard how awful I was. And I can see that the the chance of forgiveness looks bleak at best. And, boy, that feeling is, is... if, if one takes the thoughts from that and experiences that, that can be a devastating, devastating blow to someone who's in addiction or out of addiction even. Um, creating that space to look forward and giving them the chance to be who they are, even if they're angry, no matter what the case is, even in the worst. And, and, um, it's funny because I was listening to you uh, speak, Amy, earlier with Dick, and, and we talked. To, there was talk about um, how we can be at peace, even in the, even when we're revved up and angry. <laughs> it, it, there's there's the possibility of peace in in our thinking and in the experience and the emotions, even at the time that I might be having a conversation with a loved one. I can't tell you how yeah. how much richer and more stable even, more secure, more peaceful, whatever word that you want to use, living from that space of consciousness, of awareness, of no agenda. It's a such richer space than always being in me land where it's all about me, me, me. And if so-and-so acts this way to me when he or she is drinking, then I'm going to do this. Because, you know, the thing is that I really like that you highlighted, Kelly, is that number one, we've got to get away from this conversation of right and wrong. We've got to get away from that because it isn't helpful. There's a depersonalization there and a generalization. And what I would like to see is more coaching and services really pointing people back to the fact that every single human being has access to common sense that will fit their unique situation. There is no one size fits all model with anything in the life, in life, let alone when we're talking about life threatening conditions or uh, compulsive thinking habits and behaviors like addiction. I would love to see more of that too. And I'm hoping that this is part of one of those things uh, because the one size fits all I know over at the courthouse in many communities like mine, there's a process by which people go through if they, let's say, for instance, with alcohol, they get pulled over, they get a DWI, and they go through the process, and this, it's all, we're just, we're just pushed through the system. And we're pushed through AA. Now, I'm not saying that that's 
wrong, as we mentioned in other episodes, that AA won't work for someone, but that gets back to the one size fits all. That's the approach we're taking all over so much. You know, it's just, oh, oh, they're going through AA now. And so that's the, oh, oh, I see. You know, and, and it's all those societal views of, you know, you, you instantly think, oh boy, that person is, has been an addict then. And, and, and yeah, to just see more solutions that provide us an opportunity to be ourselves and not be in just a box kind of labeled as we are in so many ways. Well, yeah. I mean, that labeling to me is, it can be a factor of what even starts someone on an addictive path. You know, oh, it's definitely, it, <laughs> it's that not feeling good enough. Honestly, Kelly, I've, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in my life. And if people are honest enough with you, every single human being experiences moments of insecurity like that, where they don't feel they're good enough, they're not worthy enough, that they don't deserve to be forgiven, if we want to bring that in, right? Those are all really normal human experiences. It's when we start thinking that we're abnormal and that all of a sudden, you know, we think that there's something wrong with us that it can, it can get problematic. It can manifest in, in so many ways. It can manifest as addiction or as a clinical diagnosis or general dissatisfaction and discontentment with your life and in your relationships. I mean, I, I can't overemphasize enough how practically helpful it is for every human being to start taking responsibility for their own experience of life and to start seeing that the cause and effect, the mainstream stories that we've been telling ourselves aren't in and of themselves scientifically and absolutely true. They're not fact. Your experience of life, Kelly, my experience of life, anyone's experience of life is interpretation moment to moment to moment to moment. And that's why when we think that we can help a loved one or that we can control a loved one, or if a loved one has a quote unquote problem that it's our fault, we can start to see like, whoa, wait a minute. There's an invisible factor there that we're not factoring in. I use factor twice, but it's true. We're not taking into account that every human being is a free thinker. Every human being can only behave based on the quality of thinking they have in a moment. That is absolutely true to me. And, and I'd really invite listeners to reflect on that. I would say that's universally true. So there's this moving away of right and wrong. There's this moving away of, of cause and effect in the sense of, again, you know, when we just look at behavior, Kelly, that's really problematic because we're just looking at the symptoms and we're not looking at the cause. And I think that's where a lot of our family units begin to break down and a lot of our societal programs begin to break down. I mean, if you look at how we treat people in the United States, for instance, with addiction, what do we do? We throw them in jail where they're further isolated. (laughs) And then when they get out of prison, they can't get 
a job. Young people can't get a job and they continue to get rejected when they're trying to turn their life around. Well, if you take someone that was already sensitive and already felt insecure, not good enough, and now you're telling them when they're even making their best effort to do right by themselves, quote unquote, in their family, and they can't even find a job to support themselves, isn't it common sense that many of those people will then go back to selling drugs? You know, we're not looking at, again, the causes of and the systems that are in place. Instead, we point our finger at the homeless person on the street and say, get a job, you effing bum. Won't someone hear me? You mentioned, Kelly, a piece of what I would call surrender, for lack of a better word with this. And that's one thing that also seems really common. And I think it speaks to that uh, inaccurate depiction of how much control we really have. Because I do know with one client, they had said it had gotten so bad with a loved one that they literally ran up to their room. They actually were using a mouth guard at night to sleep because they grind their teeth. They threw the, the mouth guard on the bed and really just bent over sobbing and, and basically in prayer. And, and the thing is, if we're not talking about religion here again, I want to hit that home. I know you already said that Kelly, but prayer can be any, any kind of reflective time or space that you allow yourself. It's that same process. It's that same energy that's available to everybody through the principles of thought consciousness and, and mind. So it's amazing. I, I'm almost get goosebumps when I hear the client talk about this because it was literally a complete giving up of, I don't know what to do anymore of really reaching. Sometimes in AA, they'll talk about people that are struggling with addiction, reading, reaching their rock bottom, quote unquote. Well, that can occur with family members too. That sensation of, I don't know what to do anymore. And, And what's amazing is from that moment in the client's life, things did begin to shift. So her, her relationship to herself and to her loved one shifted without her doing any thinking techniques or, um, you know, exercising every day to get good, you know, dopamine levels, not saying that those things can't be really helpful depending on where people are at. But again, I want to point to this natural process that's available for every human being. So I thought that that was kind of a fun story. And then the client did have me laughing because I guess her little dog started then chewing on the mouth guard. (laughs) So talk about breaking your state of mind when your dog starts (laughs) chewing on, chewing on your mouth guard in your, in your moment of most dire need and devastation. (laughs) The, the, The simplicity of it and that surrender is more or less with me, if I if I notice, my awareness says, "Okay, I'm the I'm the movie watcher. My thoughts are the are going by, and I'm watching a movie. Which mo- movie do I want to see unveil? I have that choice because I have this innate gift as a human called awareness. I can actually choose to let go of those thoughts and and that surrender, that prayer to me almost." It's what's brought me closer to my faith, really, in a sense, because I can realize that that surrender of thoughts 
these my experience of life right now is absolutely horrible and I can't get out of it. I don't know what to do. Please, if there's a way, just bring me a fresh thought. Give me a fresh thought that allows me to break away from all the awful that I'm selecting in my movie. Just because I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer. I can't predict the future. So maybe, maybe if I just stop thinking for a little while and let it go and look for something beautiful. <laughs> look at there. My dog's eating my mouth guard. <laughs> and suddenly my state of mind has changed. And that's where the experimentation comes in. Notice in those moments that you fell out of the thinking that was making your experience of life so horrible that you finally decided to surrender. It can be done all day long, too, when we get revved up in something. When we, know, when we notice our experience of life is, is causing a stir, it, in us, whatever emotion it is, from anger to immense joy even. I tend to get overexcited sometimes, and I'll put my foot in my mouth. Even an overexcited state can cloud our thinking and make us believe that, okay, that's what produced the result. Now I'll keep doing that. (laughs) Instead, just allow it to be what it was. And maybe you'll find, maybe you'll start buying your dog mouth guards for the chew toys instead of the, <laughs> you, can, you can give your dog your leftover mouth guards. <laughs> and maybe you'll stop grinding your teeth, you won't need them. But you can buy the chew toys for your dog just to remind you that, yay, I didn't actually need those. Yeah, it's such a beautiful example, I think, that story or that space of surrender. See, when we're so caught up in identifying with mainland or our egos, quote-unquote, is what a lot of people will refer that to, we, we look at that sometimes as weakness that we don't know what to do. But I'm kind of suggesting the opposite. I'm suggesting that that's the place where we can tap into a deeper intelligence and whether you feel that intelligence comes from your brain or you feel it comes from God or you feel it comes from the universe, it doesn't matter because every human being knows this one thing that they have had an aha moment before they have had fresh linking before they have been able to access a solution to a problem or a creative idea that they didn't think they were qualified to think about. Right. So that, that, that really is an offer, and we, we're heading that home today in today's episode. Um, you did such an excellent job at the end there explaining things. Um, the, the hope is, is, is right there. It's, it's, in our, it's in our thinking. And even right now, today, it's possible that someone can realize it's not 
the need or the addiction that is the problem. It's possible to realize that it's thinking that's creating our experience of life, that it's possible that it won't make any sense anymore to, to use. Um, and it's possible to recover those relationships that have been lost with the patience and time of that ever-flowing river of thought that every individual has, there is hope. Yeah, the way I see it, it's an unshakable factor, right? Because when we look to principles of experience, that's where we can find a safe space to land. That's where we can look to things that are constant, like the fact that we are always thinking, like the fact that we are always consuming energy. Those things don't change. If any of that change, we're aware of ourselves, right? If those three things cease to be, we wouldn't be alive anymore. So instead of looking to circumstance or our moods or our habits for security, and for well-being, I really encourage listeners to begin to investigate this for themselves, to look within, to start educating yourself and running the experiment about thought and consciousness of where does my experience come from? Well, thought has to be involved. Thought is always involved. If we weren't thinking, we, again, we would cease to be alive. So you can think of it as an equation. I heard this from Dr. Annika Hurwitz once, which I thought was really helpful, especially when introducing people to the notion of thought, the principle of thought. She said, you can think of it like this, thought plus circumstance equals your feeling. So we aren't saying again that circumstances aren't real, that, that implications and effects don't occur from overusing or misusing or compulsively using a substance. But thought is always involved. Thought always plays a role in experience. Thought, uh, human beings are only ever living in the feeling of their thinking, moment to moment to moment. And the more you start to see this, either in other people or yourself, the more that you start to gain a sense of that unshakable resilience that is available to every human being. So, my quote unquote recommendation, I don't know if I ever really used that word. <laughs> it's kind of a weird word, but it's what popped into my head. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, you know, what, what can you as a loved one do? And I would really invite you to just keep leaning into your own innate wisdom. Like the story of that woman who didn't listen to the, the traditional advice of that rehab center. And who knows that could have saved her child's life. I think it probably did. We will never know. That's speculation. But really not discounting that because there is no one-size-fits-all model. And for folks that are the loved ones to, again, just continue to look to your own well-being. Continue to take care of yourself first. I know that sounds really hard. I, I know that sounds hard. But that point is crucial because what I've seen, and maybe you've seen this too, Kelly, being in this conversation of what we call the three principles, the health of the helper also doesn't get enough attention. 
right? It's almost like a contagiousness that's available. When you're in your own mental health, you would be shocked at how that appears to affect people in your life, how the results are upwardly more copious and and Hmm. more profound than if you're trying to give someone advice or trying to control them or punish them or reward them. And then the last piece that I wanted to share is if there's someone listening today that isn't a family member, but is struggling with an addiction that does, it's like what Kelly said, that does want to change. I really encourage you to also continue to educate yourself. We're going to put a lot of resources in the show notes for today's show. And also, you know, Lean, it's the same advice, basically, to lean into your own inner wisdom and don't discount that. Enroll in a program that resonates with you if that's what you choose to do. If you feel in your gut that a program won't work for you, then you can try other methods. That is absolutely not off the table. I remember I was talking with a client and, and it was a, a younger woman. She was like in her mid-20s. And she said, yeah, I just got to say, I can't keep going to these meetings. It's depressing. All they ever talk about is using the drug. I don't want to think about that. I'm not thinking about it until I go to that meeting. So it just shows that, again, for some people, that's not the best route. Then on the other hand, there's people I know in my life, Kelly, maybe you as well, who absolutely would tell you they owe their recovery to AA, to traditional programs. For them, it was really helpful. It was helpful to have that accountability and support, right? And as loved ones, that can be really helpful too, to reach out in your local community with support groups. It could be a Naranon or an Al-Anon, or you can create a totally different kind of group. If folks are interested in more resources about a non-12-step approach, I I would be happy. I'm sure Kelly would be happy as well to share resources. So again, you yourself begin to get a solid grounding and understanding of experience and a less reactive understanding, a less judgmental, moral understanding of addiction and rather one that's a little bit more in line with logic and and science and what is true as opposed to the story. So there's an infinite amount of of ways uh, to, to approach this. And I hope that again, Kelly and I were really hoping today to provide a, a different alternative than what is what is usually talked about or preached about <laughs> in the area of addiction. Kelly, is there uh, if there was one key point from today that you would want listeners to take home, what would that be? There is another relief. Besides what you're prescribing yourself to, whether it's eating chocolate cake, drinking a bottle of vodka every other day, shooting heroin, there, there's, there's something within you that is within your grasp and it's right in your thoughts. If I could take a piece of that little cosmic energy you were talking about before and pull it from somewhere and put a, a, a little ding or a star behind all of the things you've highlighted 
throughout the show, Amy, I'd be ding, there was one, ding, there was one, kind of like drops Jupiter. <laughs> you all kind of a, you've made so, so many beautiful points along the way. And, and, and mine would just be to add to, just to add to that, that there is relief and it's in your thinking and explore that. Explore that question, as Amy suggested, what is creating my experience of life so much so that I need to prescribe myself with an addiction. And for the loved ones, I hope to have, (laughs) I hope to learn more as I keep providing my best light Uh, my open ears and heart. I just hope that my experience continues to grow the way it is, and I know it will. Every moment. And thank you, Amy, for for inviting us to do this. Uh, I think that... I think that, that even if there's just one person out there today that makes contact with you, as I'm sure you'll share for uh, the listeners as to all the resources that we have. And, and boy, I, I, if there's someone who's addicted and wants to talk, I mean, I, I would even be open for that myself, you know, yeah. um, of course. Yeah, I just want to just piggyback, I guess is a better word. I was going to say hit home, but seemed a little aggressive. <laughs> so I'm going to say, <laughs> I want to piggyback of what Kelly said, you know, and again, don't, don't underestimate your own well-being. So the relief is out there and don't underestimate your own amazing capabilities. And I'm not saying that as like, yay, positive thinking, you're awesome, but it's actually true. There's actually a deep truth within that. And that's one of the reasons we share you know, Amy's real stories on every show or almost every show. And, and, and again, that resilience is there no matter what, even if you, you don't establish, you know, again, a family connection in the time frame you wanted to, your well-being can never be taken away by any person, by any circumstance, by any substance, your, your core well-being, your spiritual essence, your energetic essence, if you prefer those words. Your, your innate birthright as a creative, free-thinking human being can never, ever be taken away. So that's all we have for today. As promised, I'm going to list a variety of resources right now. These are also going to be in the show notes, so you can find this in writing. If you go to either iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and you type in the search engine, Escaping the Rat Race with Amy Leo, you'll get all of the show notes there, too, if you aren't already subscribed. So first off, Kelly and I were talking, and if there is a need in the community, we are open to creating a support group ourselves for family members. So right now I work individually with folks, but if a group support service was needed, again, we are open to that. So if you are interested, you, you got to let me know. <laughs> so email me at ratrace at amyleo.com. My email is ratrace at amyleo.com. Again, email address is ratrace at amyleo.com. 
There's also a lot of resources by a gal named Dr. Amy Johnson. You can find her at dramyjohnson.com. She has a book called The Little Book of Big Change, and it's all about breaking addictive patterns. There also, if someone's searching for a recovery or a rehab program, there is Gulf Breeze Recovery. That is a non-12-step program in Florida. You can find out more by going to gulfbreezerecovery.com. Again, gulfbreezerecovery.com. Then there is a variety of really wonderful educational resources. If you go to health.harvard.edu, again, health.harvard.edu, we'll link some of these specific articles. But there is a uh, doctor there, Dr. Michael Beer. You heard him in the very beginning. That's actually sourced from Harvard's online library uh, when he was talking about the biggest misconceptions he sees in the field of addiction. So there's some really lovely articles there that really simplify some of the physiological changes that occur when someone's using a substance um, or some of the physiological changes that can occur. Because like we said, it's not one size fits all, but it is helpful to kind of learn, you know, what they're, what they're discovering in neuroscience and how that affects your loved one or someone that is struggling with an addiction. Then, of course, today we sourced Johan Hari. He has that TED Talk. So if you just Google Johan Hari TED Talk, you'll find that. He also has a book called Chasing the Scream, where he documents basically three years of his life that he's been educating himself about addiction and speaking with people and uh, also seeing some of the fallacies and the stories that we tell ourselves about it only being chemical hooks as the cause. So he really talks about a fresh perspective about more connection. Uh, so a lot of those social psychological factors that of course play a role in our lives as human beings or our social creatures. And there's a free video source if you go to threeprinciplesmovies.com. So again, that's threeprinciplesmovies.com, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E-S, threeprinciplesmovies.com. And that actually has a few testimonials of people that have actually um, completely recovered from addiction. And it's, it's very poignant and a great resource introduction, again, to the three principles. And then there's a couple books I would recommend. We have quoted Waking Up. That's by neuroscientist Sam Harris. So that's a really great in introduction to, again, looking at thought as a principle uh, that book does talk a lot about meditation. So if you're interested in learning about meditation, that's a pretty pretty cool way to go too. And then uh, there's also a really lovely book, An Introduction to the Principles, called Somebody Should Have Told Us, and that's by Dr. Jack Pransky. There also, if you're interested in watching videos, there is 3principlesupermind.com. I think that you can get a lifetime membership there for only like five British pounds. I mean, and there's, I think, hundreds of videos of experts in the three principles so you can really start to look uh, again at your own psychology and how that works and my guess is that can only help it certainly <laughs> well i guess i shouldn't say that you know i, I can't make uh, assumptions but it seems to be in my experience that getting more educated really is where the power is it's where people take their power back so knowledge really is power not to be trite and cliche so Kelly and I want to thank you so much for listening. Again, you've been listening to Escaping the Rat Race with Amy Leo. Again, if you want to get these podcasts delivered right to your device to make it brainless and painless, or even if you want this audio as a download, 
you can just email us at ratrace at amyleo.com or again, subscribe, 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 subscribe. That's the, really the easiest way to make sure that you don't miss an episode. Next week, we're going to really be doing a deep dive into human potential. I love that the last week of every month, we, we do a wild card show. So next week, we are going to be speaking with a woman who started her professional singing career in her 40s. So this is a great testimony of what's possible for human beings, especially in an industry that's rampant with ageism. And also this woman is a psychologist uh, by her day job. So it's just a wonderful testimony of the potential of human beings and what can happen when you essentially get out of your own way. So it's a great story. So if you don't want to miss that again, I just can't hit home enough. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So you don't miss any of the episodes coming up. We're going to end the show today with one of my songs, Empty Bottles, which was a testimony to an unhealthy relationship that I was having a few years back with Jameson. So we're going to end the show there again. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, a huge keep rocking from Kelly and I. I think I would have gave up at some point. <laughs> oh. Can we put this in as a blooper? That's so funny. <laughs> I think you should just keep the whole thing. Life gets hard And you don't want to talk You just want to run But you can't even walk Emptiness grows When you not your friend Can't do a goddamn thing To make all of it But the hell